It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves. Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing, revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger. This is good. You just need to learn to I'm enjoy just gonna move game. on. <laughs> hey y'all, welcome to Cross Baltic. It is Tuesday evening and uh Advent uh the sixth. December 6th, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Advent, December 6th, I don't Tuesday. Think it's evening. an accident that he started with music Behold Darkness shall cover the earth. You know, I'm going to turn your mic up and turn his mic down. Thank you, Pastor. Thank <laughs> you, you are over here, huh? I just want better intro music. Pastor Toby Chalk Knox on How the Water Boy. It's going to be with you. How dare you talk about a handle like that? We also have uh, Mike Foster and Del Partridge coming up to talk about Pastor Library Hour. All right. Pastor is, Library Hour. And, and look at... Is that your the, drink? It's, yeah, mine. it's yours. It's yours. You no, deep? it's totally yours. Where's This where's is our cross-politic Christmas. I got it downstairs when, you, when you're ready. <laughs> Our cross Baltic Christmas water bottle. I love these actually. Fantastic. I need one. Club members, the next 75 club members help us finish the year strong. Next 75 club members uh, that sign up for gold or platinum will get one of those sent. It's super quality Kodiak brand. Yeah. Love it. Wow. Mm. There you go. Hey, I would read my ad, but it's not there. Can't see it. Oh, no. Um, so, you know, do something sometime for someone. There we go. That there was you go. Fantastic ad. Join the club. Join the, that was probably the ad. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> New St. Andrews College. It's the best. There we go. NSA.edu. There we go. That was the ad. Um, so, uh, Senator Tom Cotton. Kroger. And you guys know Kroger and Albertsons? Yes. Kroger and Albertsons? Yeah. Kroger. Is a was a very prominent store in Texas. I haven't seen one up here in the Northwest. Well, I first learned about one? Kroger when I used to work at a, uh, a a telephone survey company. Oh yeah. Oh Bennett. CC was it? Benefits. What? Yes. Yes. Not CC Benefits. No. 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 That was that was the old thing. Yeah. Uh, yes. Bennett Research. Yes. Bennett Research. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I would call people on the telephone, and we did a survey for ages for Publix. Wow. Oh yeah. Wow. Grocery store. We had to li- read. Yeah, you know, I'd never heard of Publix at the time. Yeah, yeah. But they're down south. They're Florida. Yeah. I eventually found. Yeah. Well, we went to South Carolina. They got Publix in South okay. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. That's like the uh, Lamborghini of grocery stores. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's a, currently uh, Kroger. I'm moving on. Uh, Kroger again. The music I, and now I, Toby. I'm I just on. want to talk about grocery on. stores. Actually, I'm getting hungry now. You know, Kroger uh, does not have as good sausage in them as Publix does. They have a. a Pub- I'm telling you, Publix sausage. has got like the best version of everything. Yes. Wow. Right. It's also more expensive than yeah, everything. Interesting. You were saying. Yeah. Okay, I'm moving on. And and uh, Kroger um, <laughs> is in, in, in right in the middle of trying to acquire Albertsons. Oh, for okay. real? Yep. So this real is about twenty five billion dollar uh, purchase. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and the Woo. Senate Judiciary Committee because that you can't do a business deal like that without going before the Senate Judiciary Committee. That's not true. Okay. Well, really. Apparently, 
You can't do some sort of acquisition like this, I guess. I don't know. The Senate Judiciary Committee called Kroger CEO to testify to make sure, you know, they're it's a safe purchase and a good acquisition and all that stuff. That's just like what and, they do every time I'm at the grocery store. But, but as you guys are know, are you sure you most, want to buy this? <laughs> yeah, this large screen. You call television. the Senate Judiciary Committee. <laughs> what do you think of this half and half? I'm about do to you, buy here. At Kroger. Do you have enough money for this? How much debt are you going to go into? And as you guys know, Kroger's woke. You know, oh, all, all, the, all the stores are pretty much woke. I, who's I, yeah. I didn't know that. You know, who's know? Well, Senator Tom Cotton yeah. is uh, also on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and and uh, he. Wasn't sympathetic. But this situation reminds me a little bit of the situation big tech companies have found themselves in in recent years. They've come to Washington because they fear regulation from our Democratic friends or action by the Biden administration, and they expect Republicans who are traditionally more supportive of free enterprise to come to their defense. And I've cautioned them for years that if they silence uh, conservatives and center right. Uh, voters across the country, if they discriminate against them in their company, they probably shouldn't come and ask Republican senators to carry the water for them whenever our Democratic friends want to regulate them or block their mergers. So I, I've heard a lot, a lot of questioning about that today, and I've read a lot about it in the news. Um, and I'll say this. I'm sorry that's happening to you. Best of luck. Oh. <laughs> oh. So you get you get kind of the gist of what's I, going on I, I here. I kind of get the impression that he's not oh. sorry. Yeah, he's sorry, not sorry. Well, and so so the Federal Trade Commission has come in and looked yep. at this deal, and they want more information from Kroger mm -hmm. because I don't know why, but they do. And so this deal is not able to transfer. So whatever is going on, it here, extended to thirty days. They go before the Senate Judiciary Committee here um, to be interviewed. <laughs> I mean, it's a crock. But, sorry, wish I could help you. I click. I think that was bad form, and I like Kant. But, but hang on, there was okay. Uh, you know, Disney, you know, big tech. They've been they've been going woke and they've been suppressing conservatives and they've been doing everything they can to fight conservatives for de uh, you know a decade. Yeah, more. Yeah, and and so Senator Tom Cotton's just like, sorry, I'm just not going to stick my neck out for you anymore because you aren't even you're you're against us. I'm going to help you and then you can turn around and stab me in the right. back. Right. Yeah, right. I get that, and I still think he's wrong. What do you think he should have done? And, Knox? And, um, I think there is nothing wrong. With a company acquiring another company without the oversight of the federal government, yeah, that is 100%. absolutely right. And so, if that is your why is Kroger there in the first th place? They shouldn't be there. And if that's your position, that you believe that businesses should be able to transact without the federal government oversight and to be able to do things unless there's a crime or something involved, and that's your position. What you don't do is make it better for you to invite people over because you kick them in the in the nuts while they're down. Mm -hmm. wait, 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 explain your analogy. So, Who got kicked in the nuts where, when, yeah, yeah. how? <laughs> but, but we were he, talking about grocery stores a second yeah, ago. But what he did, though, was kick them while they're down. Why wouldn't he make, create a, a love for the world that exists with the federal government not having to have oversight? Why wouldn't he say, you know what? I want a world where you, Kroger, can buy Albertson without even having to come and have this conversation with us. But the way that you've been acting has created a world that you're sitting here with people who don't benefit your company, don't love your company, don't love your employees, and making you come before yeah. them and say, oh, unless you do things our way, you yeah. can't operate in America. I want to damn that to hell. Yeah. And because of that, I haven't been, because of that so kind you're, of you're support for this group, I you, we've tied our hands over the years, yeah. but I want a world where you don't have to do that. And so I'm going to support you in this because I don't want that to exist because that's unjust. I hope that you look at this and say, yeah, 
I love the world that right. you're talking about, and I want to live in that kind of world. So yeah, it ain't gonna work. So, so you're, but you're saying though, basically, that these woke companies want unwoke economics, sure. but you can't be woke. Yeah. One way yeah, and true. not get yeah. woke the other way. Right. Uh -huh. right. So, exactly. so we got socialist economics going on here. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was that was and, woke one oh one and now we're at woke woke two point or woke three point Yeah. But and I also want to say if our worldview is better than theirs, then let's show the reality of that yeah. worldview. And so when the opportunity comes and arises as Christians, what we want to be able to do and say, you know what? There actually is yeah. a way out. There's a yeah. world to live in where you don't have to have this type of reality. Right. Right. Th that's it's not, called that, freedom. It's called freedom. In Jesus. And I want that for you, but you guys yeah. keep operating yeah. this other way, and it's only going to be worse for you. Right. And so yeah. I, do I stand with you guys to be able to make this transaction? Of course I do, because yeah. I, I'm grateful for the work that you do to the, our society. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I just want to connect the dots a little bit more. Don't miss the fact that socialism is Marxism. That's yeah. right. It's Marxism light. Mm -hmm. And that's what critical race theory is and all the other critical theories are. That's what wokeism is it's right. it's um virtue signaling marxism uh -huh. and, and but it started with the government picking winners and losers right it, it, right you know saying hey we, we we need to put our finger on the scale mm -hmm. because you're making too much money and those people are not making enough, enough money and mm -hmm. and that you know they were a minority or they didn't have as much privilege mm -hmm. to begin with and so we're going to play god and try to even everything else out mm -hmm. but, but that's but that's where the, that that stuff starts economically with t high taxes, right. redistributing incomes, and then the government's got to get involved in all these transactions right. because they're playing God. Well, because they got money at stake too. Right. We need the kind of we need to be kind of people that remind folks that God didn't leave us in troubled times. Mm -hmm. Right, and this right. And this situation is a righteous one. There's nothing wrong here. Or and when he does. He's still God. Yeah. He's still right. sovereign. He's yeah. and, and and some and sometimes it it takes generations to work your way out of a hole. Yes. And sometimes God's blessed other people immensely and it's he's good and just and right to do either way. But even no. in my even in my correction, I want to have or my or the truth that I'm proclaiming, I want to have an aroma of forgiveness that is sweet and desirable to yeah. the person that yeah. I'm talking to. Yeah. Yeah. I want to always make sure that that's there. I don't want to kick them in such a way where we're like, well, what's the point in that side? Right. Well, but, but I mean, gonna... he makes a good point. I'm, I'm not sorry. You're eating your pudding. I, I, You're eating your own pudding that you've been fostering. I think, I think Knox you know. isn't disagreeing with that. If I'm understanding yeah. you right, he's just saying he didn't offer many gospel. Right. Of course, you can tell them that they're eating their own he, pudding. He gave them just law. Can I speak on behalf of Knox, too? I mean, because that was... Well, yeah, um, and I feel like it's two against one right now. Hey, look, if you start the show complaining about Handel's Messiah, you ain't going to get a word in edgewise. Facts, all right? This facts. is speaking against you. Both of you. Yeah. Preach, preacher. All right. Speaking of, speaking of like, woke uh, economics. Yeah. Okay, during the pandemic, this is... Uh, talk about an excuse for woke economics. During, during the pandemic, uh, the Trump administration put together about 175 billion dollar spending package for hospitals or funding package or was pandemic it, relief package. Wasn't it that first trillion dollars that he was, I wonder if this is in that first. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to keep up with all the, yeah. the trillions. <laughs> yeah. the trillions. The trillions. I, I don't yeah. know what spending Can't remember in. which trillions we're talking about. So, so Trump's administration put together $175 Trump. billion dollar Trump Trump and, and note, that Trump's administration spent ninety percent of it, and Biden got to spend the last 10%. of that hundred and seventy yeah. of that hundred seventy-five billion billion. Uh, and and originally, when it you know, so the pandemic comes out, and then they have excuse to put all these stimulus packages together, which is what they did, and and, and part of that included that hundred seventy-five billion dollar spending package, and the way they uh, initially divvied up the money to the hospitals, because you know, in a pandemic, when you have more people that come to your hospital. Um, 
it's a burden on your hospital. You don't make as much money. I don't know how it works. I still it's it's still not working out to me. So they need government relief. Apparently, I I, I can't. You mean like I can't make that calculation work? A pandemic gives you more clients. That, we call it, and you make less money, and you need government help. I don't know how that works. Fauci but. math in the same way that we all needed money from the government because they told us not to go to work anyway. Well, but maybe. they were but, but they, they were, were working. But they didn't they have were a working of work. You know, our our buddies at the restaurants weren't working, but the hospitals were working. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. so they, they took, needed more masks. They they were more turned, masks. Remember, their yeah. clients got turned. They stopped. breathing machines. They only had a certain amount of things that they did. They, they weren't doing they, everything. They stopped doing elective surgeries, yeah. which was cray cray. They stopped doing cancer screening treatments, right. which is crazy. And people died. And people died. And all in the name of pandemic. But they saved a lot of lives. Um, <laughs> so what they did was how they allocated the funds initially. And there's actually even this quote. For, well, let me explain the. They, they allocated the funds uh, by revenue. So by how much revenue a hospital brought in? Poorest hospitals got the most? No, revenue. <laughs> total total revenue. Oh, the richest hospitals yeah. got the most. Yeah, the, 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 the hospitals got the most. Hold on, wait revenue. a second. The reason they did this was because they assumed that the people who yeah. were getting the most amount of revenue were going to see the most amount of people. Anybody knows anything be, about revenue, that's a bad assumption. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying I understand what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm saying that there's a way to think that this is absolutely nefarious, and it's not. you got to remember, this is them helping. And the reason that I bring this up is because this is poopy water. I hate your point. Uh, helping? the Yeah. Helping. This, yeah. This is when helping hurts. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> I just want you to finish the sentence. So the yeah. senior advisor yeah. to HHS was quoted in this, in this article, and he says um, about the funding model, yeah. the revenue, right. he said, we had to accept very early on that our first foray into distributing funds was going to be imperfect. <laughs> you have $175 billion, and that's the best equation you could come up with? That's, well, that's... Well, and the reason why that's, it was... That's the, why they shouldn't be doing this. Well, the reason, This is also giving talking points to Democrats, by the way. So yeah, the reason exactly. why that he considered it, it was going to be imperfect is because they had to rush and do something. Yeah. And this is, you know, Pastor, we've talked about this so many times. Never waste like, a crisis. Whenever you can't not exercise prudence, you will have failure. Right. Unless you have created a muscle reflex for certain things, right, right where you've already trained in it yep. and you've thought through it, which is, again, prudence, right? If you can't stop and think about it, everybody's telling you to make a move, right. you need to reject yep. that from... Pastor, Pastor Doug Wilson likes to say there's no situation so bad that you can't make it worse. Poopy yeah. water. Hey, and it's, hey and, I wonder if he knows about and, the poopy and, water. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not telling him about it because I'd be afraid he might the, use it. One of the Man. things that I was thinking about with this article is the fact that it's no, it's no question to me then when why the hospitals were not on the side of their employees when it came time to the vaccine. Yeah. If you get all your money from the federal government yeah. and they've made you They prof- were their biggest uh, customer under the in the pandemic. And the federal government has made your company profitable where it was not before and right. you've made billions of dollars right. off of the aid of the government that you do not have to pay back, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah then you are going to stand with them when they require vaccinations against yep. the very people who work in your hospital. What it's happened? no wonder why they were opposed yeah. to all these other things that uh, fighting with for freedom. What were some yeah. of the things I wrote down here? They were for vaccination. They weren't offering transplants unless you were vaccinated. Yeah. Why would they, they do? Still aren't. Why would someone who we has got people a, in our church who can't get transplants? Why is someone who has a Hippocratic oath willing to bypass their oath and commit to the government yeah. and let well because they've been bought yeah. and so there's no you know of course they're gonna do this yeah. and so yeah well whoever if you take the king the king's coin you become the king's man yeah. and so this is why i i'm hoping and i pray that people who have private practices 
Mm-hmm. did not follow any restrictions from the government in any way whatsoever. And they would have been just as profitable. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they, they would have com- continued to do their elective surgeries. They would continue to help the people they've been helping. They would have helped with COVID and they would have been successful financially as well. They didn't yeah. need the federal government to come in and give them any well, sort of assistance. And, and just two things. One is Gabe, you, um, you pointed out to me earlier that the, the largest, um, uh, group in Washington D.C. the, the yeah. largest um, the the largest uh, lobbying industry yeah industry is, is, is healthcare it's healthcare yeah um and they spend they spend uh, I think it's almost a I I, I can't no, too much. billions of dollars billions yeah. of dollars um, secondly um, back to the point we made before this is what socialism does and, and so yeah. it's it's and there's this I mean we are way way in yeah we are and this is how you get your healthcare system completely destroyed yeah um the Bible t- describes bribes as blinding the just yeah it, it, it just blinds you and this yeah. is that's what i mean it, it's a it's a very sophisticated version of bribery right. yeah a, or maybe not so sophisticated yeah. if you if you actually read the fine print yeah. um but that's what you've got going on here is this massive corruption and and this money just blinds people mm-hmm. they're no longer actually helping people caring for people um now you've got a you're serving the bottom line you're serving the government, mm-hmm. you're not actually serving people. Pastor Dale Partridge and Pastor Michael Foster are taking back the library Ooh. with Pastor Story Hour. Ooh. We'll talk to them next on Cross Politic. Cool, let's bring the- home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. A little better. A little better. I prefer you don't talk while Handel is doing his thing. <laughs> this makes me want to go to libraries and listen. <laughs> he killed your ass. He killed your mic. Turn my mic back on! Welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Our Fight Laugh Feast magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21 year Balvini. Mm. No ice, perhaps mm. you've heard. We don't water down our scotch. Why would we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who've been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. And you know you got a lot of friends. Every quarter we Mm. promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine includes cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout the glossy pages, and more. So sign up. Get a subscription for yourself. And maybe a few friends for Christmas mm. at fightlaughfeast.com. I, I think they should, someone should send a subscription to the Senate Judiciary Committee. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's that's actually the a whole really, committee. Hey, yeah. all of Congress. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Hey, we're grateful to have with us two of our friends, uh, Pastor Michael Foster mm-hmm. of East River Church mm-hmm. in Batavia, Ohio, author of It's Good to Be a Man, as well as Pastor Dale Partridge, teaching pastor at Reformation Fellowship in Prescott, Arizona, and the author of Jesus and My Gender, Pastor Michael, Pastor Dale, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. 
Good to be here. Yeah, excited to be here, Ben. I have not heard that that track of that's from one of Doug's early albums, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. He dropped it 1860 something. Uh. <laughs> Michael uh, and Dale, you guys have been uh, just launched sort of this, I don't know, this grassroots um, pastor story hour in local public libraries. And um, and where I mean, why? What where this come from, Michael? Um, well, as you guys know, there's been a lot of men in lingerie twerking in front of three and four year olds all across America. Some of them with like horns on their head or something. <laughs> and it's, you, you know, I don't go looking for that stuff, but these days that stuff finds you on Twitter, on, on news everywhere. So, uh, you hear all these guys talking about uh, these drag queen story hours mm. and, uh, and raging online about it but not really doing anything. So you can try to protest it, and that's I think that's good. But how about you just fill up the vacuum by actually doing our own, uh, utilizing these libraries uh, to read books to kids? You, you know, Doug says, if you don't, you can't have a cultural war without a culture. Mm. And what better way to build a culture than teaching kids to love good books, books about Jesus, books that glorify God. So getting some time in our community to actually affect those around us with, with truth. And so that's that was my goal. I didn't want to be um, passive and just complaining online, though I do think getting the word out and protesting is valuable. But I actually thought, why don't why aren't we just doing our own story hours? Like yeah. I think most of these libraries would be happy to have a step in there. So. This this might be a dumb question, but like, did you have to fill out paperwork to do this? I mean, does library hour just does libraries just let you do this kind of thing pretty easily? In the Claremont County uh, library system, you have a little uh, form you fill out. So I filled out that form and just asked a couple of questions. And it was super easy. It took me a couple of minutes. I walked a couple blocks from my office in downtown Batavia, went over to the library, filled it out, came back, came back a few days later, did the story hour. It was a piece of cake. <laughs> okay. Dale, um, you did this uh, down um, in, in Arizona where you're at. And how did it go? And what's what's the what was the maybe the same thing? You know, was it difficult to get signed up? And then what was the response? Yeah, you know, when Mike tweeted this out, uh, I don't know, maybe two months ago, uh, I saw his tweet, I feel like in the first five minutes and I wrote under it, I said, I'm on it. Um, and I, I text him after that. I said, do we really need to do this? This is a, this is a thing. And uh, I think that day I went and I, I text Mike and said, hey, I scheduled the story hour. And um, we, we went there. Um, I, I had a conversation with the librarian. Uh, she was a little bit shocked at first, um, uh, was concerned about calling it Bible story hour or pastor story hour or using the words kids. And so she had a little bit of a conversation back with me about that. And I said, no, I think, I think we should call it uh, Bible story hour for kids. And then we ended up with pastor story hour. But the, the So there was a little bit of resistance, a little bit of shock. Um, mm -hmm. I think Mike said it in a couple interviews that uh, the library is kind of a sad place. Uh, at least it was in the locations that we went to. Um, it was resigned to kind of, there was, you know, homeless outside and and kind of the less fortunate of the communities were, were there. And um, I, the, the question I think that we both needed to ask was, why are drag queens and the lost more interested in influencing children in their community than pastors are. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's the profound question that we had to confront ourselves with and go, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what is this fascination with these 
individuals with influencing children? Um, and why are pastors and churches not interested in doing the same, obviously for good and not for evil? And so um, I think the, the bigger you know, goal and objective is the uh, encouragement to other pastors to do the same, which we've already seen. Uh, I've had several uh, pastors already send me screenshots of uh, they booked their story hour. And uh, we had um, the gentleman that wrote the Daily Wire piece for us sent us a text message a couple days ago with a screenshot of another pastor that's booked a story hour. So there's a little bit of a movement, which I think was uh, the goal and praise God as a result. Hey, I, I, go ahead. Go, uh, Mike, um, why, I guess somewhat Pastor Partridge answered some of this, but is it the libraries because it's low hanging fruit and their kids there? But I would have never thought like, oh, the battleground for this next generation is going to be in libraries. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it is really that simple. It's um, it's low hanging fruit. It's government government back, so they they have leverage there to kind of force their way in mm. and shame these people into silence. So I think it was an easy way for them to get in. And and look, we all know that sexual predators go where there's ease of access to children. That's good. And and that's exactly what's going on there. And yeah. uh, and and they did it. I mean, I don't know how many of these have happened. You you kind of wonder that really, like how many of these actually happen. But I mean, um, I, I'm thinking like hundreds, possibly in the high hundreds. Yeah, drag, drag queen time. story hour. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I appreciated about this when I when I heard about it, Michael and and Dell, and I saw you guys go do it. Uh, for one, like you didn't create a website, you didn't create anything, you didn't create like a you know infrastructure or whatever. You just went and did it. And a lot of and, and how easy is it for the church actually to go out in the community and start serving? And not need, you know, even the elders' permission to do everything. You know, not needing, um, I need a website to facilitate my ministry to the library hour kind of thing. And and so I really like the fact that you guys just went out and did this and were able to, I mean, apparently it's just a very easy process uh, to, to to go. So, um, you know, as you guys have seen this take off or other other uh, pastors do this to other other libraries, uh, did, did kids from the outside your families and community and church, did they show up to this? Yeah, for, for me, we had uh, 15 to 20 kids. It was the first one we're going to do. We're going to do another one next month. Um, and we had some families that we didn't know. That's great. Uh, there wasn't, a, they, they put the, uh, there's a, a bulletin board of the library. And, and we have to remember, you know, we're all dads, right? So we know what do our wives do with the kids sometimes during the week? They go to the library. Mm -hmm. And they go get books, and uh, you know, since you know the Barnes and Noble and Borders is dead, uh, th they go to the library and spend some time there. And there is a bulletin board, and um, I think that there is there's low hanging fruit in the communities that we live in. Uh, you know, there's Facebook groups for moms. Uh, they're they're looking for things to do with their children, yeah. and if the only options are listening to a drag queen, uh, a lost person without you know, the truth and wisdom of the word is going to go, okay, I think everybody else is doing this. Let's go do this. And so again, I think we just need to create uh, worthy and, you know, biblical alternatives to the world's offerings. And I think we're going to be shocked that people actually show up. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Foster, what kind of books are you guys reading? You talked yeah, a little bit about that too. Like, I, What would you actually read? Yeah. Um, I read uh, Mere Mortals, read a chapter of that. No Mere no! Mortals. <laughs> no Mere Mortals. I you know what, you all read. Classic. Classic. That's a classic. It's good um, to be a man. <laughs> uh, it was uh, the night 
and the Dragon by James Shrimpton, who uh, I was privileged to read his uh, draft. It's kind of a, a rhyming poem-like story that uses the metaphor of a knight and a dragon to tell the story of Jesus, to tell the story of the gospel. Yeah. So I had that on hand, and uh, he he got it published by Crossway. His first child and children's book was pretty impressive. Read it. The kids liked it. Kids like uh, people slaying dragons and, and all oh, that. Right. And so that that's what I started with. Um, I think there's a, a ton of great kids' books. R.C. Sproul's have, actually have some out there, and there's some good options through Canon Press, obviously. But you just you get started. I think it was interesting. I got there, and I didn't know what I was doing. I've never done a story hour before. Like I've been reading to my kids. I got seven kids. I've told goodnight to the moon 10,000 times, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so then I, I get in and we read to the kids and it's like over in like 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. well, uh, the Bible, Bible story, 20 minutes, uh, not yeah. hours. <laughs> but, but I thought as I was there, after I kind of reflected on it, uh, it was, it was a little more effort. We could have given away really nice bookmarks, had Q and A, build around it, make it more interesting. Mm. Yeah. And the kids, the kids, you know, I did my pathetic job, right? I barely had a voice at it. I was, my, I'm struggling with my voice right now. And uh, and then afterwards, the kids said, you know, you feel like an idiot so often when you do things as a pastor. You're out in front of people talking, and then you you go behind the stage and say, well, someone just killed me, right? <laughs> And uh, so then I'm out there doing this and there's little kids and little kids are brutal, right? They're just the meanest things ever. And the little kids said, Hey, when's the next one? Yeah. And I just think, why are we doing this? Are we doing this because drag queens or are we doing this? Cause we want to capture the heart of Come our on children in the yeah. community. Right. Right. And they want it. They want children, want fathers, right? They want men they can look up to. And these, and think if if you hear your kids talking about this guy reading stories to you, and it's got your imagination going. As a father, you're like, no one's going to steal the heart of my kids. I'm going to read them stories too. Right. <laughs> I mean, like the the upside of this yeah. is so high, and it just shows that simple acts done with faithfulness to glorify God, God uses it. And I think that one thing I've tried to emphasize as people reached out to me is how little I knew what I was doing, and I just gave it a whirl and I tried to be faithful, and and the kids like it. And they're just hungry. They're hungry. And so, so that was, yeah, Mike, that was exactly the same, you know, beautiful point you made there because that was exactly the same thing. We already had the moms also asking, hey, when's the next one? Mm. Um, because they're looking for resources. And again, you know, husbands are at work and, you know, pastors have a little bit more freedom during the week. And, and so it, it was a great opportunity to have a, a, a masculine male figure yeah. uh, in the life of children who might not have that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I think you're right on the, the alternative books to read. There are so many good books out there that need to be read to kids and there is a war in books. And I want to talk about this for a second, because I don't know if you've realized, but there is, you know, when Jack became Jackie and, you know, all the thousands of kids books that are be out there with some sort of sexual perversion or distortion that is being infiltrated, obviously in Disney, obviously, and almost every you know, kids digital network, there is some sort of undertones of sexual perversion. And so, mm-hmm. uh, that was one of the big things why, why, uh, I actually wrote that book, Jesus and my gender, which is the first, my first kids book. And that was the book that I read, um, at the Bible story hour, which <laughs> is 
you know, I, uh, I have a copy right here, but it's just, it's a kid's book called Jesus, my gender, but it's the idea is, um, affirming kids in biblical gender, because I, I even wrote in the introduction of this book, I can't believe I have to write this book. I mean, this is every other previous generation would think that this book is absurd, but it's actually the place that we're at. (laughs) We need to be providing biblical alternatives to children to affirm them and who they are and who God made them to be, giving them a vision for uh, what it means to be a boy and what it means to be a girl and that you will get married one day and it's a good thing and you're going to have children, you're going to have a family, you're going to lead them toward God. And and that is a, a huge opportunity for us as pastors and as men if we can get children in the room by God's grace with their parents to teach them in these basic truths. You're, you're not wrong that there's a, a war in children's literature. And I, I, can, I can actually speak yeah. to this. I mean, it's broadly true, but uh, my wife um, uh, was actually an elementary education major at the University of Idaho, Idaho right. in 2001, 2000, 2001. So a little over 20 years ago, took a children's lit course um, and and they went through a few different authors. One of them is actually a really well known. One Tommy DePaula has um, done a number of like really beautiful books. Done a number of Bible stories. Um, and then at the end, they do like five or six a bunch of books by him. At the end, the last one they did by him was a book called Oliver Button is a Sissy, wow. and it's about a little boy like who wants to be a ballet, you know, a ballerina, oh, and like and is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Uh, twist. He, <laughs> no, but um, he—it's this boy who's is it wants to be effeminate, wants to be a girl, and yeah. and at the time they didn't—they weren't doing the tranny stuff twenty years ago. But it was just yeah. about a boy who wants to act like a girl yeah. and and affirming that. And it turns out at the end they say Tommy DePaulo apparently was a homosexual. And the last assignment that my wife was given was how would you use this book in your classroom? And my wife's answer and what she wrote on her paper was I wouldn't use it. And, you know, her teacher said, but what if your, you know, elementary student is struggling with their sexuality? And my wife said, why would I be talking to my elementary student about struggling with their sexuality? But I, but that's 20 years ago. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and that's how we got here. Wow. Um, and that's, I why, wanna, that's why she left the elementary ed program too. One thought on this topic that I think is super important to remember is that conservatives are always trying to win hearts through like stats. So you hear this mm. like in abortion, right? Well, uh, they'll say what percentage of people that have abortions actually were, were conceived in r- rape or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. But the liberals would always say, look, here's little Susan. Little Susan, like, had a medical procedure, and now she's able to become a doctor, and she's serving yeah. the poor in Africa, right? <laughs> so they know a story captures, right? right? And if you look right now, Disney Plus is losing billions of dollars because of their woke, go woke, go broke. And then you have something that's a little more traditional, just a little more traditional, like uh, the new Top Gun movie, and it does really well. And it's because the these uh, non-Christians only have ugly stories to tell unless they borrow from the truth. Right, yep. uh, drag queens are repulsive. It's men in lingerie twerking in front of kids with little horns. It's repulsive. Uh, the true story is attractive by nature. It may, they may not submit themselves to Christ, but but we have the best story mm-hmm. and the best stories, and yet we're not out there in the creator realm. Well, maybe you're not a writer, but can you read a book? Right. Right? Yeah. Read a book to kids. Your own yeah. kids. If, be, I'll tell you right now, to anyone listening to this, um, here's one challenge I have for you before you start your, your Bible story hour. Uh, start start it tonight with your own children. Come right? on now. Read, read kids, read to your own children in your home. 
you want you want them to know your stories. When we are losing our children to the kind of meta narratives of anime and the uh, and the meta meta narratives of YouTube streamers, this is a place where I think we should realize how powerful uh, stories and creativity is in shaping the future generations. And right. this is a very easy way to get in there. Start Amen. at home, yep, and then go fill out a piece of paper at your local library and talk That's a good. little bit. That's Dale, good. you got last word. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about. Uh, design and art and beauty. I think there's something that's been going on for a long time where Christians are just committed to creating corny garbage. And we need to end that. And that was one element of uh, having more books to read and having more shows to show our children that are, you know, positive, good narratives that have uh, virtuous Christian principles. And so I just want to encourage people out there, if you're a creator, if you're a maker, uh, you know, the liberals, for some reason, have the most beautiful stuff in the world, and it should not be that way. Uh, the Christians need to be the ones that are producing beautiful books with great stories and beautiful shows and, and engaging uh, narratives and films and content. So just want to encourage the guys out there, the girls out there that are makers, uh, make things and make them well to the glory of God. Mm, amen. Man, that fantastic, I'm fellas. About Thank that. you. Good work. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. Great, great opportunity you guys have marked out here. That's yeah. awesome. Appreciate you. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. I'm going to start reading some stories yeah. to the kids. Easily. Right after you baptize them. <laughs> Putting off writing that proposal again? Yeah, we've been there. Proposal writing can be tough. It takes work. And if you're not careful, you can set up your company for failure. Well, that's where we come in. Smart Pricing Table is an innovative application that focuses on, well, the pricing table. Instead of a static document and constant back and forth, our platform creates interactive proposals that empower your prospects not sure if something is needed make it optional have complicated services that vary let your customer do the work with line item upsells have reoccurring services easy peasy with smart pricing table you can create attractive proposals quickly and our system is built for reuse so you can get out of that hamster wheel give your customers choice and close deals quickly with smart pricing table Mom always told me to be a good boy, but the world said I could be anything I wanted to be, which is great, because I want to be a problem. No, I won't dive into sex, drugs, or gender confusion. To the world, that would make me a good little boy. I will learn formal logic and adhere firmly to the concept of objective truth. I will commit myself absolutely to the authority of the Word of God and make friends with Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Chesterton, Lewis, and the U.S. Constitution. I hope to grow up and love only one woman, a woman at least as clear-thinking and rebellious in this world as I will be, who knows where true beauty lies and who will never let me stop striving to be the biggest problem I can be. I will give my life for hers and aim to have a family large enough to require specialty automobiles. We will worship in a church unashamed of the gospel and live in a community of families doing the same. I will work myself to the bone providing for my family and I will make sure my kids all fall in love with Narnia and Middle Earth, that they will all know how to think 
that evolution will make them giggle, <laughs> and rainbows will make them think of Noah and his archiarchy. Like I said, I will be a problem, immune to all that is hip and trendy and now. Singing songs that are centuries old, savoring good wine and great whiskey, dancing and laughing and feasting while the enemies of God scowl and glower in shelter and place. Hello, boy, the world says. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a metastasizing cancer of conservative Christian culture, devouring Marx's impotent, progressive dream and building a resurrected Western world. I want to be a stomper of stupid sandcastles, an exposer of poisonous lies. I want my life to be a monument to the triune creator God who made us all, the kind of monument you and yours will never be able to tear down. Oh, and farming. Thanks for asking. New St. Andrews College. Liberal Arts for Outlaws.